Welcome back to Signals from Pittsburgh. This is Brittany. This is Mr. Wills. And we are here. It's December, and we just watched Brain Dead um, or Dead Alive. And it's the 30th anniversary this year. Um, this year, originally, technically in the U.S., I guess it came out in 1993. So, um, so it's two 30-year anniversaries. So it's very appropriate that we're doing it in December on the cusp of the new year. Um, so you could call it the 30th anniversary next year, too, if you really wanted to. Double um, milk. You could milk it, yeah. You could milk it, yeah. We could milk it, um, put it in your custard, slurp it up, you know? It could be like uh, S- Sumatrian uh, rat milk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Did you know they uh, produced milk? It's um, lactose-free. So for all oh, of you out so- there who... <laughs> it's like goat milk. It is. You make cheese yeah, out of it. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be great. Custard, it'll be great. like you said, yeah. Custard, ice cream, you know, you name it. Uh, you can put it into anything. It's an all. It's an all spice. Um. So, so we recently watched Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Uh, like I said, 30th anniversary. Um, there's a great article that came out in Horror Hound number 95. I think it was about a month ago that it came out. Uh, so if, if you're interested in reading that, you should pick it up while it's still on the shelves. Or um, you can always go online and just order back issues. Uh, but it was a great, great article. Um, great cover. That I, I don't want to spoil it too much. Spoil the magazine. But um, yeah, there's some good stuff in there, and there's kind of like a centerfold that's really cool. So it's definitely worth picking up. But but we refreshed ourselves on this movie recently, and uh, we're just we're gonna dive into it. So what what do you what do you what are your first thoughts about Brain Dead when you think of Brain Dead? I remember as a kid, I had a um, neighbor. Todd was his name. Uh, he was probably my age now, which is like I'm 38. And uh, he was like a family man, so I had a young daughter I hung out with who was a, like probably like six or seven, maybe, maybe a lot younger than I am. She was probably like ten years younger than I was, but I mostly I'd hang out with him, um, and we would watch wrestling together. But we'd also like watch horror movies together because we had a video mm-hmm. rental store across the street that I um would which I've referenced before. Uh, so I went in and uh, he said, "You got to get this movie." He took us in one day and. We got dead alive and he had seen it and uh, that was my first exposure to it. We all hung out and had popcorn and watched it and it, it was great. And it was also fun to watch with him because he was like a, he was like a, you know, a burly guy. So he'd like get those big belly laughs and especially <laughs> at one of uh, my favorite scenes, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, my first exposure to it was, you know, seeing it as dead alive, not knowing who Peter Jackson was, not knowing mm-hmm. anything about what this film was about and just like seeing it like as a cold watch off a videotape rental. So that's how long ago I watched it. And it was probably when it came out on tape. So probably I would guess 1994, 1995. What about you? Yeah. Um, Well, I was going to say, did, um, did your little neighbor girl watch it with you too? You all watched it? Not that, not that I remember. I don't remember her watching it with us. She was probably like, uh, on the stairwell, peeking, watching the movie like we all did when we were trying to sneak movies we weren't supposed to see as a kid. Standing around the corner like a little creep. Yeah, I think she would have been around the corner because it was like a, a little ranch house. So there wasn't really a stairwell. Oh, no stairs. But, okay. 
no stairs to peek through, but <laughs> she was probably creeping around doing something like that, I'm sure. <laughs> probably. I think we all did that. My okay, so I, I think I might have talked about this before. I I think I brought it up because um as always I loved the cover art. Um but yeah, so it first caught my eye back in the nineties at a video store. Uh ours was a video king. I always say blockbuster, but we had I think we had one blockbuster and we rarely went to it. We went to uh Video King, which I think was it might have been a standalone or maybe it was a franchise. I don't know. But anyway, Video King Superior, loved it. Anyway, so we'd walk through the aisles. I would always notice um, Dead Alive, and it always drew me in. It was very hypnotizing cover art with, um, it might, I don't know if it's Paquita on the front, the main woman, or if it's just some random lady. I think it's just a model. I don't know for fact, but I think it's just like some cover model. Like a- you know, it's hard to tell because cover art has a lot of, you know, Photoshop, you know, to grab your attention, which it did. So it always grabbed my attention. And kind of creeped me out a little bit um, just because she's pulling her mouth open. There's like a little zombie inside her her mouth. Um, and I always wanted to rent it. And I, I'm pretty sure I asked <laughs> multiple times. But I don't think my parents had seen it. But I think they looked at it enough to know that it was not something that they wanted to rent um, for me <laughs> <laughs> at the time. So uh, we never rented it. I never saw it until uh 2020 actually with you so you i saw with you the first time the beginning of the pandemic i think it might have been one of the first movies we figured out how to watch together over like zoom or whatever or skype i can't remember that was a weird time uh (laughs) but it was one of the first things we watched together when the pandemic started and i really enjoyed it as usual my memory is terrible it's like i can watch a movie again two years later and like forget half the scenes and that's what happened with this one i forgot the whole opening and i forgot a couple other scenes that i'll talk about um later uh but that was my exposure to it so saw the vhs cover always wanted to rent it um in my mind i always thought it was something it was kind of going to be like mars attacks just because of the art style of the video cover which it does turn out it is pretty silly I was always transfixed by the Mars Attacks poster because we had like a big one at little kid face level in the horror section Mm -hmm. of our um, video king. So uh, I did see that. So I don't know. It's kind of weird what I was allowed to see and what I wasn't allowed to see. Um, So I missed that one. Definitely didn't know it had anything to do with Peter Jackson until way later. Um, I did know that before I watched it at this point. But but yeah, so I got to see it for the first time with you. And um, yeah, I've been having the urge to watch it again ever since and so we did <laughs> here we are it it kind of gets into you the movie creeps into you and it's deceptively great um in my opinion it, it's like uh getting bit by uh the sumerian rat monkey and then you get the uh you get the disease and you get addicted mm-hmm. to watching it because i kind of want to watch it again like but i'm, I'm hoping it does it works its way in and i i'm holding out that they're going to do a great release we just watched this on my standard DVD copy uh, via streaming, but, and they did a Blu-ray release, but I don't think they did more than just burn the DVD onto a Blu-ray disc. I don't think there's a really great copy of it out there yet, but um, one of the spoilers is like, uh, not really a spoiler, but if you read the Horror Hound uh, article that um, Brittany brought up, uh, Peter Jackson holds it fondly, and he actually even references it in uh, the 2005 King Kong, and 
ironically, it's because he references King Kong in this movie because they find the Sumerian rat monkey from Skull Island. That's where they get it. Mm -hmm. And that's, as everybody knows, that's where King Kong is from. So it was kind of <laughs> like a self, like a Ouroboros, kind of the snake yeah. eating itself. You know? Yeah, that's so funny. So I like that. Yeah, it's funny how it came back around. And um, I was always worried that it was something that he didn't want to talk about or go back to or revisit or reminisce on. Um, but that doesn't seem to be true. I mean, there's a bunch of articles out there over the years where he's brought it up and then he keeps referencing it throughout his other movies. Um, and he even went back to film some parts of Lord of the Rings in the same spot as the opening. So it's he's definitely got a fondness for it. I do hope he has the time and budget and interest to eventually go back and you know, do a little more with it. Another release. I would definitely buy a super special edition of it if it came out. So we're, um, we're in this tribal lands. Uh, as usual, we have a white guy that wants to take some freaky hybrid rat monkey, um, out and put it in a zoo. And it, uh, tribes, people are like, eh, that's not a good idea. They know what they, they know a little more about this thing than, the ignorant white dude does, and of course, um, white dude does what he wants to do, and he tries to steal this monkey, and things go a little bit awry. I think they're running from uh, other villagers, uh, I believe, and then they dro he drops the damn thing, and in dropping, because they had it on, like, carrying it on a pole. I'm I'm describing it for people who may be visually impaired who haven't seen the movie, but no, uh, <laughs> they're 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 carrying it on a pole, and then uh, the pole breaks and it falls on him and it scratches him. And then the guy with him, that's I, where he says Singaya, and he cuts off, like, he starts cutting off parts, like, he cuts off his arm, or his hand, where it got scratched, because obviously he knows what the scratch or bite from the rat monkey uh, right. will bring. And then you find out, like, in the very end, like, he'd scratched him on his head, so they're, you know, cutting off. Had to kill him. You know, had to kill him. <laughs> yep they had to take him out so that that's the open it's a pretty gnarly open i love i gotta it. say I you know it it's kicks it off it really does it's not slow it just it kind of cuts in right into the action of them es trying to escape with this monkey and our um our dude dies uh he gets all <laughs> chopped up for the sake of hopefully not spreading this monkey bite to anywhere mm. else and unsuccessful, the the monkey escapes with a group of guys in a in a jeep, and uh, it ends up at a zoo. Um, we find out eventually. So they got paid. Yeah, they got paid. <laughs> so yeah, it kind it kind of cuts from that to a cute little town, which I immediately like realized that it was in the fifties, which is funny because um, you were talking about how every time you watch this movie, you kind of notice a little more about it um it's got a I, I love the atmosphere of it it's got such a strange like uncanny vibe to the whole everything <laughs> but it works um but the first thing i i realized this time around i don't think i noticed the first time is that it looked like it was in set in the 50s i don't know i guess it didn't register the first time and same thing happened with you we got halfway through the movie you're like look at that fridge man i'm like yeah i think it's supposed to be set in the 50s yeah i never noticed i've watched this movie I would say at least like 30 times and I never knew I never got that it was set in the fifties. And like, you look at the way people were dressed, you look at uh, main characters, especially like Lionel, uh, Lionel and, and all like his, his uncle, 
and all the characters, mm-hmm. and they're dressed in age or period appropriate attire rather. And I, I never caught it, and all the cars are old, and it's just like yes, but I don't know why I never caught that it was supposed to be the fifties until recently. It's weird because I think, uh, in a way, it's kind of subtle. They're not like specifically calling out that it's set in that period. It's just all kind of there, and it's so seamless that I can see how you would overlook it. But uh, I I just bought a house that has um like vintage, fifties uh, and sixties style stuff in it so maybe that's why the fridge and the stove and stuff jumped out to me this time because we have like the same ones in our new house so um i've been staring at old ass appliances for the last month (laughs) so maybe that's what caught my attention a little bit but i did i did notice like the trolley and the cars and stuff at the beginning but I feel like that was a humble brag for you to slide yeah. in that you would just, just bought a house. You're like, uh, th- we're not really talking about uh, Dead Alive, Brain Dead. We're talking about we're talking about uh, my cool house, <laughs> my cool house that I just bought, and it's completely fifty vintage. Uh, what? No, I, that's awesome. Just make sure there's no Sumerian rat monkeys hiding around in your yeah, living in the basement or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're in this cute little town. We're introduced to I think Paquita first. Paquita mm-hmm. is our main leading lady. Um, she's adorable. I think every outfit she wears is super cute. And she's just she's just adorable. She's really she's kind of like peppy and silly. And um, I don't know, just kind of innocent in a way. I- innocent in, in the sense that um, her she, she works at this little shop and she's got her cute little crushes on the delivery guys and uh, the one delivery guy. I forgot his name. Do you know his name? I forget his name, but it's he's kind of he's the I just call him the delivery guy because he's the delivery he's guy. Not yeah. Really, he wasn't relevant. I mean, he he kind of is a little relevant to the story, but ultimately, you know, he's just um, yeah. he, he's just a red herring, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So delivery guy, she's got her cute little crush. She she works at the shop with her. It's her parents, right? I think it's her Both grandmother. Her parents, they, or her grandparents. It, maybe it is her parents. Well, her elders. Yeah. And um, they they do some tarot card readings, and uh, her her elder grandmother, whoever reads reads her fortunes. You're gonna have true love with this knight in shining armor sort of guy that's going to come in and it's going to be fast and hard but then you're then i see doom you know and um so she's she's just like getting dreamy eyed over here and they get uh distracted i think someone comes in and the bell rings and she never really finishes reading the fortune um all the way so that kind of kicks things off for her oh fast and hard and doom Kind of sounds like bang into Black Sabbath, which I'm all about. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's Paquita. That's her deal. We have Lionel next, mm-hmm. who can't remember how he comes in. Does he jump off the trolley and pop in? He jumps off the trolley because he has to go in and he has to buy. Uh, he's picking up things for his mother because he lives at mm-hmm. home with mom. He's a nice, upstanding, well-to-do, clean-cut gentleman british folk man like he's just <laughs> and also quite like bumbling unassuming but not like in a yeah. way in a sweet way in a in a um unassuming like way a little un- endearing 
mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's kind of he's kind of a goof, you know. So he steps in the store. Paquita is in a bad mood. Um, so she's being real bitchy, actually. Uh, she's just not having it. She's like, this guy's like a bumbling idiot. He just doesn't know what he wants. He's clumsy. I just want to get this thing over with. And uh, get this transaction over with. And Lionel being the bumbling guy that he is, uh, I think he knocks over a bunch of pencils. Is that what it is? Something like that. Mm-hmm. He knocks over something on and the fr- counter. And fr- fruit, too. And fruit. And he knocks over a bunch of stuff. But the um, during the tarot card reading, there was like, your knight in shining armor will have the symbol. And, um, and when he knocks over the pencils, it looks like the symbol yeah. that she saw. And... Instant mood change. Suddenly she's like, well, I better shape up because I think this is my uh, <laughs> my soulmate over here. So she mm-hmm. instantly does. I always say I always want to say she instantly does a 360, but that would just take her back to being a grumpy bitch. Right. So right. <laughs> she does a 180. 180. <laughs> um, she instantly does a 180 and she's like just enamored with him uh, to the point where he's a little creeped out suddenly. And mm-hmm. he's just like, well, forget about the forget about my com- my order completely. And I love his exit here because he just kind of awkwardly, literally just kind of scoots backwards um, until he exits the store and just kind of like pieces out, you know? Almost gets hit by the trolley, but then like characteristically pulls like the funny move of grabbing the trolley and pulling himself on, which I Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of funny, like slapsticky sight gags in this film, which I love. But that's Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, A lot of physical like Three Stooges type stuff. When you said 360, uh, sidebar, there was there when I worked at a record store. Well, I worked at a company that I won't give a free plug to, but we sold video <laughs> games, and it was right when the Xbox 360 came out. And you know, this old poor, what I don't know, I'm not gonna pick on him, poor, but this cheap bastard was like, 360 for that price, I'll do a 360 out the door. So we were making fun of him, and we're like, is he just gonna spin out the door, like, do it, like, spins out the door, like, 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 continuously rotate out the door, like the Tasmanian devil? So when you said that, that made me think. (laughs) I mean, that also would have been an interesting way to exit the situation, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, no, um, yeah, so they're fated together, like you were saying, um, Mm -hmm. and I just love like. Bikita. but it, it's of I think it's of that time too. That's another thing in the fifties is, even if not America, but that was like the nuclear family. You you met somebody, you got married, you, you bought a house together, you settled down. So it's just like it wasn't <laughs> like there was no Tinder or anything like that back then. So mm-hmm. like tarot cards were the you know the tarot reading was the closest thing that you had. So mm-hmm. yeah, especially if you're looking for some sort of sign, you know. Mm-hmm. But she takes it very seriously. So she's she's like all in head over heels. This is it, you know. Uh, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him out till he says yes. She's gonna wear him down. One of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little role reversal. Less cre- less creepy when a girl does it, I think. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I guess technically it's the same thing, which isn't great, but I mean, seems less creepy when a lady does. Well, it. Well, she wasn't. She wasn't. She wanted a life partner. She wasn't just trying to get in his pants. You know. That's true. Like, I, I want. She wanted true love, so I don't think that was. It's not like you know. She wasn't being. She wasn't grooming. It's about him the intention. Else. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's about the. I think in intent. I think intent is important. You know, mm-hmm. very important. Yeah. So um, he leaves, and she's like, "Well, I better uh, 
better do this delivery. So she she takes over the delivery to his house instead of the the delivery boy. She's over him now already. Um, that quick because it's fate. So she uh, makes a delivery um, because he left without his stuff. So she makes a, a special delivery to Lionel's house and brings her big German Shepherd, which um, busts <laughs> busts up onto the property before she does. And kind of scares Lionel while he's trying to um, start the lawnmower. Chekhov's. Chekhov's lawnmower. Exactly, yeah. Don't introduce a lawnmower in the first act (laughs) unless you plan to use it in the third act. Exactly. Especially the way they, like, transition. There's a cool little camera move where it's, like, from the grass's point of view. (laughs) And the uh, lawnmower rolls over it with its blades and stuff. So cool. Uh, Definitely... A very intentional shot. Let's give a shout out, yeah, to Peter Jackson right there for the visual uh, storytelling that he would later apply to Lord of the Rings, you know, and other other (laughs) films. But, I mean, right there, it's like, how many other directors would have thought, let's take this shot and let's make sure, you know, it means something. And So I I just applaud that on top of everything else we're going to get into. But that was a great shot. Yeah, definitely. So we're introduced to Lionel um, in his home life with his mother, um, Vera. It made me think of the Pink Floyd song. Do you know that? Vera, what's become of you? I, think I don't know that one. It's from, it's from the, <laughs> or maybe I do. It's from The Wall. It's from The Wall, and it, uh, it's uh, in The Wall movie. But okay. I, think that was, I think that was Roger Waters or Pink's mom's name, I think, in or maybe his wife's name. But. Somebody named Vera. Once again, I'm I'm sidebarring, but it did remind me of that song. It's a good song. Check it out. Vera, yeah. Pink Floyd. I refresh myself. So we meet her. Um, we find out that she's a little um intense, <laughs> and <laughs> she uh she only has Lionel left. That she seems Lionel takes care of her pretty much, and she's very controlling. Um, she only wants him to love and serve her pretty much. That's kind of summarizes it um she finds out she's going to be the president or something of some club i can't remember exactly she's on the bo- she's on, she's the, on board. the board like an interview to become yeah. on the board i think or of some like, important yeah. thing she cares about <laughs> yeah i forget the name of the thing but yeah it was, yeah uh, yeah she's gonna it's it's some hoity-toity rich uh, anglo-saxon wasp club that yeah you know the, yeah. the british you know british ladies were a part of so yeah yeah i think she's isn't she a a, uh, a kiwi right are they uh they're from new oh, zealand yes. right the new zealanders i'm sorry I, i'm sorry if i offended any british or new zealand <laughs> i don't know if you could say kiwi that might be offensive but oh did, i don't so. know uh well you know i'll leave it in and you guys can let me know because the more i know the better i can be if you get canceled, then I will uh, be doing the show by myself. So. Uh, yep, it'll be signals from Pittsburgh without the H, and it'll just be it'll just be Mr. Wealth. It'll be a terrible. It'll be terribly produced, and uh, so please don't <laughs> cancel Brittany. <laughs> that we stated our case. So she's going to be on the board of something, and she's going to have to host uh, a little lunch with the people who are the decision makers to make sure that they're still impressed and seal the deal. Um, so she in- instantly gets um, just overly anal about everything. She's like, the house is filthy. Everything's, 
everything's dusty and i love that she like just it it, it's a testament to her character it shows a lot but she just whips this huge ass knife up and she's like pointing at everything in her house with this knife very like very threatening woman um i just love the whole scene it's it's done so well and her character is set up so well and once again visual storytelling from peter jackson if you think about where the story goes that does come into play to where you know at first she seems just like this overbearing you know droll bitchy woman but you know maybe there's something more you know that maybe you know he's telling us things without telling us things he's telling us things right. visually and, and upon a rewatch you you know pick it out I'm like oh okay mm-hmm. that's what he's saying there so once again hats off oh yeah definitely definitely so she's uh it's set up very well and then she's like oh my gosh the grass looks terrible get out there and mow it and uh, of course the grass is fine it looks it's there's nothing wrong with the grass so she makes uh, lionel go out and try and cut the grass and that's where we get the little lawnmower scene and we have um Paquita's German Shepherd, who um, I think he just kind of jumps over the fence. He just barges his yeah, way in. Yeah, just busts on in. Yeah, you know, no big deal. So he comes in, scares Lionel, and then Paquita pops on in through the gate, um, being all jovial, changed attitude, changed outlook. You know, kind of just pushing herself into his life. Um, I have your stuff. You left weather without your order. Um, I'm coming inside your house to help you deliver it or whatever, and. Um, so so that's how we're reintroduced together. She pretty much asks him out on a date or yes. kind of, sort of. Yeah, she's very, she's very forward. It's very cute the way she gets him on a date, I think. She wants to go to the zoo. Who doesn't want to go to the zoo? I haven't been to the <laughs> zoo. When was the last time you went to the zoo, Brittany? 2017. <laughs> Two, that's, that's a long, that's five years. That's yeah, that's five years, years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's time to go back to. Let's go to the zoo. You should come back. We'll go to the Pittsburgh Zoo. Yeah. Oh, you should come up Buffalo here and go to the zoo. Buffalo Zoo. I'll go to the. I Buffalo haven't been to the zoo. Buffalo Zoo yet. Um, I I hope there's buffaloes in the Buffalo Zoo. Uh, stay tuned for confirmation of that. Right here. <laughs> we'll give you an but update. Yeah, they do go on a cute little zoo date together. Um, you know, and then here's where we find out uh, there was an incident with water, and Lionel is triggered by water once again. More foreshadowing a lot of foreshadowing in this movie it, you know that's i think you know people remember this movie for the gags you know which mm-hmm. you know we're about to get into but the what's great about it is it really does show peter jackson's ability to tell a story and keep momentum going so you know around this special effects heavy film there actually is a really great narrative and it's like solid and you know Every, the, all these pieces come together and they all mean something and it's like a fun ride in between but yeah they're on their date at the zoo uh and just um i don't know i i thought it was a cute little scene like once again it's just like he's just shooting you know he i just love his, his uh shots are very kinetic they keep the story flow yeah they definitely do um i never felt like there's really any downtime in the movie but yeah, this is another scene that I forgot about. So I totally forgot about this. This I don't know if it's the inciting incident, but it's one of them. Um, so they're at the zoo. They're on their date. It's super cute. We find out that Vera, uh, the controlling woman that she is, had followed them to the zoo. And she's being, uh, she's trying to snoop on them pretty much. 
maybe ruin the date from afar if she can. So uh, indeed, she does ruin the date. Um, not quite how she expected. She ends up... Uh, uh, well, I guess before this, Lionel and Paquita um, look at the monkeys and they see this really creepy looking monkey. Uh, monkey, I'd say right. in like finger quotes. Um, and it's not really a monkey. What is it? It's the Sumerian rat monkey, which yes. what happened is all the uh, slave ships came to the island that it's from. Skull Island, I assume. Uh, mm -hmm. And all the... <laughs> Rats that were on the slave ships ran off into the jungle and raped all the little tree monkeys and produced this line slash spawn of hellish, disgusting, disease-carrying, <laughs> terrifyingly grotesque creature. Terrifyingly stop-motioned. <laughs> <laughs> no, the stop-motion isn't that bad. It's It has, like, you know, these days, it's a very obviously stop-motion. And it probably was then. But um, yeah, so Lionel and Paquita have saw the this weird uh, rat monkey earlier. Um, it attacked another monkey, pulled off its arm, you know, creeped them out. A funny little cute scene with like the zookeeper there as well. Um, and they moved on and they're having a sentimental conversation near the water like we talked about. And they kiss and uh, things are moving quickly and they're going well. Um, but this is when um, uh, Vera ends up by the monkeys. <laughs> she ends up getting grabbed and kind of attacked by the rat monkey. And and this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, you know? she kills it. She stomps its head, mm -hmm. in, which I think. Which, <laughs> which is, is hilarious. Like, it's very like, this is like where the gigs start. Uh, you know, where the gags start. It's just like very grotesque, over the top, disgusting. Her heels smashing its brain. And then, like, the eyes bulging out and all that. Yeah, this is where the visceral stuff really begins. Yeah, when you, you, you really, it really kicks it into high gear. But, um, yeah, I like I thought that was great. And all, all the stop motion was done by Peter Jackson himself. So, once again, hats off. This guy can do everything. Obviously, that goes without saying, considering all everything he's done. He's won Oscars, mm -hmm. you know. He just, like, you know, he's a stalwart now and the film community you know everybody waits he just did pinocchio which i have yet to watch oh, but i hear good things yeah i hear good things too so like this is his humble beginnings believe it or not i mean he had yeah, like he's one got or two some things around it, that. But yeah yeah that was it but yeah you can this was the start of it but yeah the gig where she stomps is <laughs> she just stomps the brain and i will recall back to like i said my buddy neighbor todd just like would laugh his brains out like <laughs> you know every time like something over the top, like grotesque, would happen in this film, which was quite often, as we. <laughs> yeah, this really starts it all, and so um, because of this scene that she caused, um, Lionel finds out she's there. Um, he kind of ditches Paquita, and she's sad, and watches him walk away, and he's just kind of like, eh, like shrugs it off. Not shrugs it off, but he kind of shrugs, and he's like, "I'd take my mom home, see ya." But, um, yeah, he doesn't even really say sorry or bye or whatever. He just kind of leaves because it's a very humiliating scene that was just made. Um, so she takes, or he, Lionel takes Vera home. He's patching her up and she's guilt tripping him pretty much for wanting to have a life and moving on with anyone but her in a weird way. Very unhealthy attachment. 
Yeah, she's very like controlling, demeaning, and um, Lionel. We didn't mention it, but he lost his dad. Um, his dad had drowned apparently in some accident, so she kind of holds that over um his head, lords that over him, because he's the only mm-hmm. one left. Um, later on we find out he she does have a brother, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But it that the only family right. that she finds acceptable, I guess, is Lionel, which I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. But she's all she is very <laughs> yeah yeah. So she kind of makes him promise to um serve her only. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like dump dump this girl, like whatever you know. You're not gonna see her again because I need you. Um, and you'll always be there for me, right? So big big guilt tripper, very manipulative, gaslighting woman. Um, so he's you know he puts her to bed, goes to bed himself, and um. And Paquita shows up at the house, being all loud. <laughs> she was loud like, as fuck. <laughs> well, I, I do have to bring up, there was a note I made here uh, at the zoo, if I can rewind for one second. Yeah. There was, I've, everybody's reaction to her stomping the brains out of the rat monkey were hilarious. And the guy, in one scene, this guy is completely repulsed and disgusted. And then in the next scene, he's like, so disgusted he's like taking a photograph of it which i thought was hilarious <laughs> so it's like one scene he's just like oh my god oh. and then like the next scene he's got like a bit like one of those old cameras with a huge ass flash on it <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah then later uh later on as uh, vera's in bed paquita shows up and loud as fuck as you said yep and uh not she's like we're similar me and paquita in some ways um she pretty as loud as fuck um very clueless like if somebody ever like mouths words to me from across the room or is trying to like make hand signals to me i'm never gonna get it don't even try Brittany is not the queen of subtlety i've i've tried to i've I've tried to develop i've tried to develop i mean we have like shorthand but it's taken a lot it's like yeah it takes some time for i can't we can't develop shorthand on the fly because i have to explain what the shorthand is and then ninety percent of the time, I need to remind her what the shorthand is because <laughs> the, the memory thing. So yeah, it's a whole debacle. But yeah, but by it no, is a whole debacle. <laughs> but, but by not by any means am I perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, if I had her, uh, her 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 book her you know diligence and her smarts and uh, organizational skills, my life would be uh, tenfold better. But <laughs> I'm just gonna bust her chops on this one thing. Oh well. Thanks for busting my chops and complimenting me at the same time. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. here for. No, so I'm, I'm, yeah, Paquita and I, yeah, I'm not going to get it. If you're doing hand signals, doing sh- like, you know, I'm not going to get it. I'm just going to be like yelling to you on your balcony. So she's yelling <laughs> to him on his balcony and he's like, go away. Like, you know, you got to go like, shut up. My mom's going to hear you and she's scary. So, you know, that doesn't work. So <laughs> next thing we know, Paquita's like climbed up the house and she's like on the balcony. And she just kind of pops up like, hey, I'm here. Like, what was what the fuck was that all about? You know? And so he kind of tries to let her down saying, like, I can't, I can't see you. You know, did this mean nothing? Yeah, yeah, I meant nothing. I can't, like, I just can't see you. Um, But obviously he doesn't want to say that. He likes her a lot, you know? He's into it. And so she, Paquita being Paquita is just kind of like very insistent. Um, But then she does give in and she's going to leave. And Lionel's like, ne- w- never mind. This is not you know it's not true (laughs) i you're awesome and you're cute and i want to bang you so that's kind of what happens (laughs) little brown chicken brown cow (laughs) yeah so so he he 
grabs her shoulder and at the last minute and and it's like never mind i it's it's all lies and i want you and then he grabs a bunch of other things and we see uh <laughs> we sa- see them uh doing doing the good stuff um intercut um in a really cool way uh between them in the throes of love and vera in the throes of an infection that's taking hold so there's moaning and screaming and all this stuff blended together which will come back later throughout the movie like sound blending and visual blending and blending blending <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they uh they do the dirty i i my and i like uh the transition to the end of the dirty is uh the uh like a pus red like pus fluid shooting out of vera hitting like <laughs> The, a, a portrait, uh, uh, like a bedside mm. picture, you know, and then you know, <laughs> signifying that it's the end of the you know, copulation and transition into whatever Vera is going to become, which we find out soon is mm-hmm. the living dead. Yes, yes. Next morning, Lionel's feeling good. Vera is not feeling good. <laughs> so Vera's gotten worse. Lionel's checking on her. Her wound is nasty. Everything's so disgusting in this movie. Um, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So she's pussing up. She's she's like, no, I don't need to see a doctor. You know, these I need to be on, on my game for this lunch, which we forgot about. She's like, oh, shit, it's like Saturday or whatever day. And I need to meet these people. They're going to be here any moment. Um, so Lionel is... Trying to help her get ready, put some makeup on, and her flesh starts falling off her face, which is like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's weird so triangle. Nasty. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. It's like a weird triangle of flesh, and then he tries he glues it back he glues on with it. like literally glues super it super glue. Yeah, yeah, with glues it on. With, oh no, I just love that. I think it's super disgusting, and like I, that's what's great about this movie is it builds and builds, and it gets more gross and more over the top and just when mm-hmm. you think it can't get any grosser it just it supersedes it leapfrogs what it did and goes even more and more and more absurd until the very end and this is the this is like in the throes of the beginning of that so i really dig all this i mean though this is the one scene that i still uh you know get queasy i wince at this scene still today so what comes next is the lunch oh my god i don't even know you might have to talk about this just thinking about it makes me I'll actually I will. I'll I'll say a couple things about it and then maybe I'll let you take it over. <laughs> um there are very few things that make me physically nauseous. And the lunch scene does that for me. I think part of it has to do with the food that they eat during mm-hmm. the height of the scene. Um right. uh, I just like even talking about it. <laughs> I'm almost like gagging physically. I, I feel custard. nauseous now. They're having custard. Yeah, they're having custard. I'll I'll let I'll let Will explain it. Um, but I will say before I I let you go at it, if it was anything but custard, I might be okay. Because I do not like pudding. I don't like jello. I don't like custard. Anything of that texture is just I already feel nauseous, like just regular versions of those things gross me out a lot um so so that plus what happens is just like the apex of 
the worst possible thing. I can't even talk anymore. I'm like starting to gag. So go ahead. <laughs> so they have this meeting with this, uh, this, the guy, this man and this woman, she's trying to press to get on this board. Um, I think it's like a flower society, a gardening society. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a gardening society. But um, so as they're having this meeting, Lionel is like there as well. And essentially, Vera's all, she is quote unquote brain dead. She's just like mumbling along, you know, kind of sounds like she has a mouthful of mashed potatoes to quote <laughs> Brittany. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, she's just mumbling along, and then all of a sudden, her like wound, her arm wound, where she was bitten. Or no, I'm sorry, she uh, yeah, she has an arm wound, and it just like fucking explodes into dude's custard, <laughs> and he's a big fat dude, and he eats the custard, and it's like the grossest thing, and he just goes creamy, just the way I like it. There, and it's just like, <laughs> and Lionel's like trying to get him the fuck out of there, and then why in doing so. Her ear falls off into her own custard and she eats her own fucking ear, which is also grody and nasty as fuck. So, yes, it also it tops, you know, I've seen like mangled dicks. I've seen like I've watched Cannibal Holocaust. I've seen all this kind of mm -hmm. fucked up shit. Uh, Human Centipede, uh, you know, Serbian film. I watched all these films. And yes, are they disturbing? Sure. Do they have gross moments? Absolutely. But nothing, for some reason, I'm with nothing. you on this. Like, nothing makes me fucking grossed out or as disgusted as the pudding scene in Brain Dead. Uh, I think alive. it's the only I, thing that's ever made me physically sick. I feel so sick, like, thinking about it, you know? <laughs> right. So <sighs> we, next time we watch this, we're going to have custard, and we'll just watch no. it, you know, like a dip. Dinner, dinner, a movie, <laughs> and then we'll, I'll, I'll make some custard. I would need custard put, anytime. What are you going to say? An ear, edible ear oh. inside of it. <laughs> so we need to get Junk Castle Goods on here to make an ear custard for Brain Dead. We need to have I, them yeah. on sometime. And then the, she would be the perfect person for that. She's done all sorts of cool stuff. If you haven't checked her out, you should. I think we should do a challenge. Maybe we could start. Maybe that could be a start to a video channel where we... Uh, See if Brittany can eat the ear custard without vomiting. If I can eat like, the the horror baked goods that, right? Because <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be I delicious. That... I mean, they're not bad. It's just like right. the visuals, like it's it's amazing. Like the stuff that uh, they do is just amazing. You gotta check them out. I would love them. That'd we, be a nice should... combination. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll, pin, we'll put a pin in that. So no ear ear custard for you. Um, yeah. Lionel gets them out of there. Uh, and that cuts into one of my other favorite scenes coming up, which is just one of the favorite lines delivered in this entire movie. Uh, Paquita's dog busts into the house, but this time it gets its comeuppance. And I love pups, so it was it's sad but also hilarious. But her dog gets eaten whole by by Vera, and, <laughs> and, 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 and the line. <laughs> and, and I think the tail survived. Yeah, it's the tail. I believe that survives. Yeah. And then <laughs> Vera said, Your mom ate my dog. And Lionel's great response is, Not all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tail's like sticking out of her mouth. And it's, you know, I think the hardest thing to do in any, well, not just movies, any media is building the suspension of disbelief in the viewer. Because when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, that's how you get kind of a bad movie that just doesn't work. But it's like, I don't, it's, there's some sort of magic to when the suspension of disbelief is just built up 
perfectly. And and then it keeps going. Like it just this movie just gets more and more ridiculous. It just doesn't stop. It just ex- escalates and it's I don't know how he managed it. But yeah, so <laughs> so Vera ate the dog, which makes me think very quickly about the different uh, cover art throughout the countries. There's some cool ones out there. Um, I always talk about this at some point during the show. Um, I love my American one with like the woman and the mouth. Um, but there's a Japanese one that's pretty cool um, with a nurse who we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, a nurse sitting kind of sexily on a chair with like this little demon baby. But what made me think about that is I guess the title for the Spanish release was it translates to your mother ate my dog. So I don't even know if the name of the movie is brain dead or dead alive over there. That's what's on the cover. It says your mother ate my dog. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's called your mother ate my dog. <laughs> Which is, uh, maybe that's the line, he should have gone with, maybe he could have gone with that. I don't know if it would have done any better or any worse, but I, I kind of love that title, you know? Yeah, I love that too. I don't know if it'd work, I don't know if it'd work as well over here. So I think what they decided on was we fine. Had, and it gives a, a little bit of a, a history, though. Gives us something to talk about. Some other titles, we can run down them real quick. There's Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Uh, throw mom. <laughs> Throw Mama from the train, Mama, <laughs> Mother. Uh, I know. I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure there's a few others I'm missing. So all, most of those movies are either are did well or considered cult classics. So mm-hmm. I think uh, your mother ate my dog. Uh, I think your mother ate my dog would fit into there, but that's yeah. just my, one man's opinion. No, I think I think it works in a way. But yeah, that brings us to the next scene. They're like, maybe we should take her to the hospital because <laughs> you know. This uh, this is weird. She clearly ain't right. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're like, okay, we're going to take you to the hospital. They're, you know, helping her walk down the stairs. Uh, something happens. She falls down the stairs. Uh, Vera falls down the stairs. And um, is just laying, <laughs> laying at the bottom of the stairs. Not looking good. And they had called a nurse to come over. And the nurse, you know, arrives. Miss Mits- Is it Miss Matavish? I think it's Miss Patavish. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the nurse uh, comes over, gets there. Vera dies. She flatlines. Nurse Matavish uh, pronounces her dead and says, we need to get her going. We need to like take her to the morgue or whatever. Uh, breaks the news. Lionel's like, oh, my God, my mom's dead. This is crazy. Like, you know, I don't know. That's probably the least crazy thing that happened that day is that she's died. And so I think they kind of split off. Don't Lionel, Lionel and Paquita like go make a call, go somewhere else, do something like that. Paquita's trying to call an ambulance. I think Lionel gets the news and kind of walks away. And um, our next big shocking <laughs> section happens. So yeah, she ends up killing the nurse. So now Lionel's de- dealing with a dead body, a reanimated, or we don't know, you know, reanimated zombie mother. And um, so he's, trying to get and he's trying to get Paquita to leave she's clearly not upset that her dog got eaten she was like upset for like two seconds about her dog and now she's just <laughs> she's like what you know what the hell's going on um so he's trying to figure out you know how to handle his mom he gets uh he goes to the shady ass veterinarian and buys these sedatives and he just injects his mom and the nurse with these sedatives because uh, the nurse comes back as a zombie as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they fast forward to his, Vera's funeral, 
And uh, uh, Peter Jackson is the corner. He has a cameo as a corner. And it's just like all this shit. It, she just like looks fucking terrible. Like this, once again, another gross out. He's just pumping embalming fluid into her and is just like fucking shooting out of her in every <laughs> orifice and direction, which is great. And I just, is, I love this little cameo in there. But uh, uh, later that night, he goes back to the graveyard to retrieve the body. And then he gets uh, accosted by like these street punks, 1950s greaser. You know, once again, mm -hmm. once I made the connection that it's in the 50s, I was like, oh, they're dressed <laughs> like they're greasers. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so, but uh, <laughs> they, they find, um, they pull out, like, the one dude pulls out his dick. I mean, you don't see it, but then he pisses <laughs> on her grave. And <laughs> Lionel says, hey, that's my mother you're pissing on. I mean, somebody like, great one line. Like, hey, that's my mother you're pissing on. And then uh, madness ensues from there because you just see, Vera's hand shoot out of the grave. I'm assuming rips the guy's balls off. We don't see mm -hmm. it, but then you know proceeds to convert these greasers into the living dead. Then we get one of my favorite characters who did the funeral possession, the kung fu priest, uh, <laughs> who comes out and just starts fucking working these zombie greasers <laughs> like with these over the top ninja moves. And this is you know a perfect example of this movie just escalating. So not just oh, yeah. with the gore, but with the slapstick comedy. So he delivers. I think this is my favorite line in the entire movie, Brittany, but since this was your episode, you picked this movie. I love it. You did a great job. I think the honor should go to you. <laughs> of he says, uh, I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> and you can tell he's been waiting for this moment. Like this, this pastor or priest or whatever had, I think he had some idea what was going on during the funeral. Because there's an event that happens there, but <clears throat> he he seems like he's been training for this his whole life, like weirdly enough. So, <laughs> so he kind of jumps out and tries to save the day, and that's his line, and it's amazing. <laughs> this 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 scene is, um, I think I would pick this as maybe my favorite scene. It's hard to say, but um, yeah, yeah, he like ninja kick like the one guy he just like ninja kicks apart, like does like a sweep kick and like. Breaks them off in sections, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the amount of blood uh, when Vera attacks the greasers is great, too. Like, she pulls them down onto the grave and just rips the shit out. You can see the mm -hmm. rib cage. He's, like, <laughs> blood all over. It's fucking... Like I said, the gore... It, it, this is a visual movie, so it's like we don't have clips to play, but you have to watch it. But I'm just... We're just going through saying our favorite gags and shit. But it, I, I, we can't do... You know, we can't do it as much justice as it deserves. You need to just watch the movie. But, mm -hmm. yes, I will definitely, you know, say that was one of my favorites. And just, the way he's dispatched, too, is hilarious. It's like he's kicking everybody's ass, uh, and then he just gets, like, arm arm thrown over, a over like, a pointing, like, statue. <laughs> this is, like, for some reason. I think it's, like, might be an angel, but it's just, like, pointing, and then he yeah. just gets, like, completely impaled, and it looks like, like, cheese pizza rising up the chest. It's, like, very <laughs> gruesome. It's, like, very mm -hmm. cool, though. I loved it. So once and then once again he gets reanimated, which I'm not sure. I think he I think he may have been bit. You know I don't know. I think he was bit right before that. He was bit. Yeah, I the think rule, he got yeah. bit in the back. The rules of this movie are a little um, loose. <laughs> no, I think I think he got bit. I think it was just happened so fast. But may, I mean there are loose there there are some loose rules. I agree. Later mm -hmm. in the movie, like how the fuck did this happen? But yeah, yeah. 
So, um, yeah. So, unfortunately, our um, kung fu priest pastor doesn't make it. And uh, still an awesome scene. He's reanimated. Uh, Lionel takes all... <laughs> he takes everybody home. So, every, uh, every reanimated brain-dead zombie, um, everyone who's still around, he takes home. He, for some reason, okay, I don't know why, why he's doing this. He <laughs> puts them in the dining room, and he's trying to feed them. I don't know why. Because they're human beings. They're humans, and Lionel's he, a good guy. <laughs> Lionel he's is trying a good guy. to do what's right. Even, but even he hasn't come research. to terms with, he hasn't come to terms with what they are yet. Either that, or he's slowly losing his mind, because he's had... You know, his father died at a young age. Everyone in his life that he cared for mm -hmm. has, is dead now, aside from Paquita. So, and obviously, he knows if she comes around this, she's going to end up dead too. So that's why he kind of cold he's trying to avoid. Her. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, I think he's kind of, it might be a bit of Stockholm syndrome. He's lived his entire life in the servitude of his, servitude of his mom. And uh, yeah. now he's, even in death, he can't escape that. Even in her death, he can't escape that. Right, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's traumatized for sure. <laughs> but yeah, first he takes them all home. Not totally sure how he got them all there, but it doesn't matter. He took them all home. It happened and, off screen. Yeah, it happened off screen. I assume that they're, they're not tied up at the dinner table. So he must have sedated them. Um, he's trying to feed them. And there's a whole entire, this scenes, all the scenes in the dining room are just disgusting. <laughs> but there, <laughs> there, there's a whole scene in the dining room, which I won't describe too much. It's definitely one um, that you got to watch. It's, there's a lot of funny moments and a lot of really nasty, gross, goopy moments in that one, too. There's a running gag with a nurse because when she's killed, her head or her neck is like slashed and her head just keeps like flopping backwards every so often. <laughs> so there's a bunch of running gags throughout with her like floppy, like Pez dispenser head. So he's trying to hide that these brain dead zombies are in the <laughs> in the dining room his uncle comes by we meet him briefly at the um funeral uh we're introduced to him as a scuzzball um because yeah, he's scuzz pretty ball. he's a big scuzzball he's he's kind of scuzzy to paquita and they make it clear pretty quickly that he's after the estate and and he's a scuzzball so he stops back by um Lionel's trying to not let uh, him go in the dining room. We don't want that. But we start hearing all these noises happening from the dining room. And the um, some of the brain dead zombies are a little horny. So <laughs> uh, there, there's a whole sex scene going on in the dining room with the, there's a, <laughs> with the brain dead zombies. There's a face eating sex scene, uh, which mm -hmm. doesn't need any more description. Oh, than yeah. That. You just need to watch that. You do need to uh, see it. I did like earlier at the dinner table, the scene with the spoon and the greaser. Um, so mm. keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, his, his uncle is like a pervert and a sex maniac and clearly, but uh, yeah, he's saying like, Oh, what you got going on in there? And he's like, Oh, he's like, Oh yeah. Entertaining, you know, some birds or something. And then he's like, Oh, you got into your dad's old uh, <laughs> stag movies, which for those of you that don't mm -hmm. know, uh, stag movies, were porno movies from the 50s that they used to have on uh like eight millimeter and 16 millimeter that yeah a bunch even of earlier guys... like the 30s and stuff too right yeah like yeah the silent I think so. stag movies and stuff yeah oh yeah 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 
uh, the, but guy, a bunch of guys would get around and uh, watch porn smoke together. cigars and drink beer and watch porn together. Uh, which it used uh, to be a group activity. What happened? It was a group activity. I, uh, internet. The internet ruined everything. Guys used to watch porn. <laughs> Guys used to watch porn together. Uh, yeah. in the and somebody had to like the... crank it, you know. And you know what I mean. Like he had to crank the projector. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, somebody had to sacrifice th- a good time and crank the projector. There was a bunch of cranking going on. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, in the 30s and 50s, it was like stag movies. Uh, in the 70s, it was like, and up until like probably the late 80s, it was like porn theaters on like 42nd mm. street and the mm-hmm. 60s people were just banging because it was like free love so it's just like people didn't yeah, no need watch. to watch do yeah they were just doing it and then like uh and then our generation you know mine and yours so it's like uh we got spo- yeah we got in, in the privacy of our own home on the internet and now mm-hmm. now on the privacy of our own phone uh and yeah. there's apps so uh, way to go sexual revolution Woo. Video games, VR, man, we got it all. We got it all. We did it all. No, <laughs> no need for that. Maybe I'll host uh, Signals from Pittsburgh's Stag movie. Men and women, welcome, because I'm because we're in twenty. <laughs> the more the better. The more the better, and I'll find. We'll bust out. We'll find some old stag movies. We'll get some cigars, and then we'll have a a scuzz ball of a time. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, our brain dead, uh, our brain dead crew is having a good time in there. Um, Uncle Un- Uncle Scuzzball is making a lot of insinuations, and he's like, you know, your mom didn't talk about me a lot, but she loved me and wanted to leave me a bunch of money and shit. So Clearly. he's just greedy. So anyway, he ends up leaving. He doesn't find out what's going on. Um, Lionel comes in to break up the sex party, and um, and then ends up taking everybody down to the basement and just tying them up and leaving them down there administering um sedatives here and there um and that's kind of that moves us into the next section of the movie yeah where he's uh so he's out on the street i like this little insert scene he has not reached out to Bikita. she kind of gave him the business uh well yeah she gives him the business she's obviously out on a date with delivery guy excuse me she's obviously out on a date with the delivery guy um and he's like walking by and he sees her and then he like tries to hide behind a car terribly which <laughs> once again it's just like the the comedic visual sight gag humor of peter mm-hmm. jackson always just gets me it's just like i'm sure a lot of it too you just came up with on the day he's like yes yeah, so we got to shoot the scene but wouldn't it be funny if you did like this goofy ass shit and just hid behind the car i i want to know i would like to talk to peter jackson or you know just hear what he like how he came. I would love a commentary. That's why we want a better home release. Yeah. I'd love to hear commentary. His thoughts be great. Just behind the scenes. I don't care, you know, about anything else. I just want to know like what his thoughts were going in this crazy ass movie. It's such a such a great thing. But yeah, um, so Paquita kind of gives him the business. Now she's dating the delivery. I don't. Is he a delivery guy? Yeah, I guess he is a delivery guy. Yeah, yeah he's some sort man, of right. I think he's a milkman. Something like that. Or, I thought he was a, or was he a doctor? I don't know. Something believes believe me to believe that he's a doctor. It doesn't matter. But he, regardless, she's with him. She's kind of, I guess, given up on fate or maybe just put it, put a pin in it. Put, put it a on pin the in back it. Burner, Cause this guy's being a, <clears throat> being aloof and, and being very, um, very standoffish, you know, and mm-hmm. she doesn't know why. Uh, when he gets back to the house, you know, 
he hears, you know, the, the, they, there is a spawn from the copulation of mm. the priest, mm-hmm. the faceless sex between the priest and the nurse. And this was one of, once again, Todd's, Todd's favorite scenes. Because th- the introduction to the baby is Lionel pulls up the baby and he's got a <laughs> rat. And it's a, he's got a rat. And I just remember Todd, you know, strikingly saying, Oh, look at that rat. <laughs> like, was, he's got a rat. Like, I, I don't know why it was so funny, but it's like the fact that not only is it a zombie baby, but he's holding a, like a rat, <laughs> like crying, like really made it. Mm hmm. Yeah, so surprise, we have a zombie baby. And I, I want to say quickly, too, it's they're not necessarily zombies. It's it's weird. Like, maybe they are. They're reanimated. But they remind me of a cross between, like, a zombie and a deadite. The way they're their br- rules work and the way, just the way they behave and the the rules, I guess the rules of their existence remind me of a, little, a combination of the two. Well, I would I would say that they're brain dead, but they're also dead alive. That would be my summation of what they are. Yeah, hence both movie names, I guess. Right. So See, maybe that was just uh, another layer to the onion. You have to know yeah, both titles. You got to peel it back. Also, someone's mom eats a dog in this film, so you'd be if you were in a Spanish language country, you would be expecting that. Right, right. You'd be building up to that scene. <laughs> right. Yeah, so from here, um, things just escalate very quickly. This is kind of where the um, kind of where the third act just kind of goes balls in. Um, it goes banana, as oh, Matt yeah. Patterson would say. <laughs> yeah. So from here, um, Lionel gets back to his house. We find out that Uncle Scuzzball has found out about the dead people in the basement. And thinks that Lionel's probably some sort of weird nymphomaniac killer. Necrophiliac, yes. Again, sorry, necrophiliac killer. Different, Nymph- different things. Nymph- no judgment. Well, no, you can you can be a nymphomaniac. You can be both. And a necrophiliac, yes. Nymphomaniac. Uh, I'm sure they can overlap. <laughs> uh, so the uncle, assuming that the bodies are dead, thinks like he's fucked up. He killed him, but maybe he's having sex. At least I agree with you. That's what I thought. But you could be both. <laughs> yeah, and he's so he blackmails him. Uh, uh, Uncle Skezball blackmails uh, Lionel. And he's like, y'all keep your secret. Just give me the estate, pretty much. And so Lionel's like, yeah, fine, it's yours. The estate's yours. I just got to go deal with these these bodies in the basement. And so um, it escalates quickly from there. Uncle Skezball is like, I'm going to throw a rager. Um, I'm inviting everybody over and we're going to have a huge party, uh, which fills up quickly. Um, a bunch of people show up and now we know it's really going down because we just introduced a huge, a house full of disposable characters that we get to see die in crazy ways. One of the best scenes that we kind of glossed over before the uncle discovers the zombies is when Lionel takes little baby zombie yeah. to the park. And um, <laughs> there's no explanation. And I read in the Horror Hound article that, like, they just shot this after the fact because I think uh, the studio wanted the movie to be a bit longer. So it's just this insane, <laughs> it's this insane scene of just 
Lionel taking this little zombie, <laughs> ugly, this is the ugliest fucking baby. And it's just like, it's like, it's just like gag after gag after gag. Oh, and what yeah. I loved about this is the baby <laughs> clearly changes size, like to like a little stout little fat person to like a baby to like a puppet. But it, it doesn't yeah. take me out. It just makes me. No, it just makes it more funny. Right, right, right. So yeah, yeah, there, up, but... yeah. That there, that's like my second favorite scene, and it, do, it really doesn't make any sense why he would do it, or most of the things in the movie. Um, it does feel a little bit out of place, but I think where your mind's at at this point in the movie, you just kind of accept it and enjoy it, and it's pretty hilarious. So he takes the baby to the park, and um, you know, you gotta watch it and just enjoy it from there. Let the hooks do their job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he eventually comes back from that and this party, this rager is happening and he's like, oh, this is not good. This would be a sock hop <laughs> because it's the 50s. So, well, I don't know if in New Zealand they had sock hops, but I imagine. But it was like definitely like a rock and roll because that was the it was in the 50s. Like once again, like watching this party, I'm like everybody's like they're not all hipsters like hipsters weren't even like that in the 90s so i didn't even know what a hipster was when i was a kid so what the <laughs> yeah. fuck did what era did i think this was in because it's like everybody i don't know what you thought <laughs> well they did they, i was like oh they they're kind of dressed like the weezer the buddy holly video i got that later but yeah. like you know i should have known i was like maybe this is an episode of happy days you know? <laughs> I, and i also didn't think i knew that i also didn't think i knew that happy days were was set in the fifties. I don't think I knew what nostalgia was then. I was probably better for it, you know. Like, but I digress. Well, that's how you know you're starting to get old, right? It's when you have nostalgia about that stuff and notice these things, like right. But um, yeah. So um, yeah. So there's like a rager of a house party going on downstairs. Things are going awry. So Lionel's downstairs trying to re sedate the crew and uh. Bakita is walking by Lionel's house when she's on her date with the delivery man, milkman doctor. Mm -hmm. And she notices a party and she's like, what the fuck? What, what's going on here, man? Um, so she she like literally disappears out of the scene um, as our delivery boy is talking and realizes she's gone. And it's just kind of funny because he's just walking. He He's like, Bakita? Oh, oh well, and he just keeps walking. <laughs> he just kind of gets over it. He's just like, okay, yeah, very self-absorbed. Um, you can tell from the beginning that he is, but that like that's the final kind of nail in that. Um, so Pakita disappears and runs up to the house because she, mm. she didn't get invited and she wants to know what's up. So she comes in the house. She um meets. Well, re-meets. <laughs> She's reacquainted uncle. with Uncle Skis Ball, you know, and he's he he wants to he wants to take a ride. <laughs> he wants to take her. For he tries a ride. to put the moves on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't work out so well. Yeah, it doesn't work out so well. Uh, Lionel finds out there's a little bit of a scuffle, and Paquita kind of gets out of the situation with Lionel. After breaking his balls a bit, you know, he gets his balls crushed. She kicks him. She, she, I think she needs him in the balls. And then he proceeds to throw them, lock them both in the cellar with what mm -hmm. he thinks are the dead bodies. But then they start to wake up. Yeah, they start to wake up. They're uh, the, the sedatives wearing off. So they need to pretty much take care of this. They're going to bury him down there, sedate him, bury him, you know, hopefully be done with it. So that's kind of what they do. They bury him and they sit down on the couch and they're like, whew, okay, glad that's over. At some point we realize that 
Lionel has given them, was he given like adrenaline or something? Like a- animal stimulant. Oh, stimulant. Instead of sedative. So he discovers he accidentally gives a stimulant to them. And the moment he realizes, we get like a flash of a spotlight and like, you know, fans blowing, the wind's air coming up, zombies. air cannons air are fuck. on. They're like fucking shot out of the air cannon, yeah. Yeah, and everybody like shoots up out of the grave and they're bigger <laughs> and badder than ever now. So this is where the party gets demolished. <laughs> e- evil gets an upgrade to quote mm-hmm. Jason X. <laughs> that should have been that should have been the uh the tagline for this <laughs> or at it, least it a section mm-hmm. yeah no and then they, they just and the madness ensues there's so many there are so many spots it would take like an entire show to go through every single gag so that's not yeah. what we're gonna do no but we'll i would say yeah what are your favorite gags in this entire in this section this is the blow off this section yeah. i know we love We'll get to we'll get to the checkoffs we'll get to checkoffs lawnmower together. But I want to hear your favorite gags just off the top. Just rattle them off. Not in no um, particular. Okay, order. no no order. So party gets crazy. Um, one gag that I really like is a deadite getting, um, kind of like a light bulb type thing pushed through the back of her head, yes. and her whole face lights up. And yeah. it just like stays that way uh, throughout multiple scenes. Yeah, yeah, because they like come and go from this same scene, and she's still like <laughs> stuck. She's kind of stuck to a wall with a light bulb through her head, and her eyes are glowing and everything, and that's really cool. Um, I also like. Oh, there's so many things I like. I'll just name one more. Um, I like. I can't remember if her name's Betsy. Somebody, a woman dies. That's like a semi-secondary important character. And um, she, like, peels her face open from the middle, and there's, like, another face inside. Um, Through her big old Betty glasses, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a baby face. So she peels her face open, the baby's in there, and it's just... (laughs) It's it's really gnarly, uh, the the practical effect for it. So those two are... I can't even say if they're my favorite. There's so many gags that happen in such a short amount of time here. She had the baby on the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I liked that when her when her uh, date bit it, they had like the Day of the Dead gag where um, the top of his head was cut off, but you could still see his eyes move and his head was mm. getting like mm-hmm. kicked around. I really dug that. <laughs> um, I I gotta say I did love um, I did love the uh, face uh, rip that you just brought up. I love the lady on the light. Uh, they, they were fighting zombies with a map, which I thought was uh, ingenuity. I like the. Um, 50s gag where Lionel's like trying to run on the blood, but it's like the old Scooby Doo cartoon yeah. text Avery, like you know, f- slipping and catching himself. Uh, God, there's so many great kills. Uh, the garden shears, uh, there, there's a fucking brutal uh kill with the garden shears. The um, the at one point, the greaser becomes dispatched and is like cut in half, and then his legs and it's kind it's kind of like a street trash. I, I don't know if it was an, it looked like it could have been a nod to street trash. Cause like his torso is in the toilet, kind of like mm-hmm. the street trash. That's what I thought like of poster. Uh, and that, but then his bo- uh, lower half, like including like his large intestine, like anus or like, like walking around making farting <laughs> sounds like, and becomes sentient in its own right. So it's almost like the thing where every part of them is alive and is not just like mm-hmm. them. It's like when you, like you said, like with the deadites almost. So maybe it's a part like alien too. Who knows? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Like every it doesn't matter if you dismember these brain dead, even half a head, you know, everything. It doesn't matter if the head's gone. It seems like every part of them can be sentient on its own and cause its own troubles. So. So, yeah, I guess those are some of the highlights. So all those awesome gags, like it just goes on and on. And one thing I noticed is that there's there's really not many lines if you know, very, very few lines in the climax of this movie. It's just all gore and screaming and yelling and... A baby ends up in a blender. Just everything. Yeah, yeah. So look forward to that. <laughs> so it's it's just all gore and sound and audio effects, which is great. Um, Lionel ends up in the attic at some point, fleeing our fart intestine, our sentient intestines. Yes. Um, and he discovers a few things in the attic that take us all the way through the climax. Yeah, they, he discovers why he has an aversion to water. He thought because his father drowned, which in fact his father did drown, but not in the way that we thought. His father was drowned by his mother because Lionel finds pictures of his snooping mom uh, that, you know, so she was snooping on people back then. But, I mean, to be fair, but instead of getting a divorce, uh, she finds out, well, she finds out that her husband was having an extramarital affair and uh, essentially she drowns him and his mistress in the bathtub and then leaves their bodies in the attic. He discovers this and has a snap. So, and and this is where the Chekhov's lawnmower comes into play. Like we've we've introduced the lawnmower in the first act. We've introduced uh, Lionel's aversion to water. Mm-hmm. We've introduced the over, overbearing mother. All these things are culminating into a twist. Like, I, you know, we're expecting. Yeah, we've gone. You know, we've got babies and a- asses and you know, <laughs> zombie coitus and pudding and all this. And we just keep building and building and building and building. But then there's like a story revelation that comes out of, it doesn't come out of nowhere, but like when it comes together, it's like, wow. Okay. Like it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, so it, as the, as the rising of the effects and the gags go up and up, the story rushes up and like now all of a sudden the stakes are higher. And that's where Lionel's had enough, where he goes for Chekhov's lawnmower. You introduce a lawnmower in the first act, you better deliver and have it in the third act. (laughs) Yes, and they do deliver. Yeah, (laughs) Lionel busts in the front door, holding the lawnmower. Um, He's backlit. He looks like a total hero. Definitely reminds me of a couple scenes in, like, throughout the Evil Deads, uh, where we have a backlit, you know, Ash with his chainsaw and boomstick um but yeah he's 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 come full circle he discovered what his mom really is and i think he's been he's able to let her go or write her off or realize that she's like terrible (laughs) terrible murderous person um and he's ready to fight for the one thing that he has left which is paquita because she's still alive she's still kicking she's in a little bit of peril and he's coming in with the only weapon that he has and it's a lawnmower so he revs that bad boy up and uh he goes into like the entrance hall that we see throughout the movie (laughs) it's a really big set piece actually it's where we spend a lot of the time 
and he just starts mowing him down literally <laughs> at different points it's it's clear that he's just kind of spinning in a circle which is kind of cool and like it's almost clear that people are just like sticking from off screen they're just like sticking things in the lawnmower um right. but it just looks so it looks so cool and it's very fitting and yeah so he pretty much finally uh destroys most of the army of the dead here it looks like people are throwing like um What's that like orange like vodka sauce? It, it looks like at some point <laughs> like people are just throwing vodka sauce. All oh over. yeah, yeah. At some point, it just looks like people are like the crew's throwing buckets of just like blood and vis viscera just at him. <laughs> I love I love it though. That's that's really what makes the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's probably one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen. He's just covered. It's just soaked. It's crazy. And um, we we kind of think that's over, and we get our final um, big bad, which is mom. Mom's back, and she's huge, and the those stimulants have stimulated a lot of bits on her because she's <laughs> she's this huge nasty monster with big tits just bouncing around and sagging all over the place. She's got this big bubble butt going on. She's she's something else man <laughs> so she busts she, up from the floor and uh lionel and paquita have to uh, escape to the roof and this is where our showdown happens she's she's almost she's like almost king kong size like it's oh, almost like yes. another it's almost another nod to king kong which is just it like I, I i it's funny to talk about like like there's a lot of genre filmmakers that they're stuck there. They just make genre pictures, and that's fine. I love those directors. I think that's great, and I love genre movies because you can tell stories and explore things that you may not be able to explore in mainstream movies at first. And uh, it, they've broken a lot of walls down. So, like John Carpenter, I'd even call George a genre director. Uh, George Romero, um, a genre director, and even though he didn't really want to be, that's where he found the most success was in the horror genre. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so sometimes it's not by choice, but the fact that you can take this movie and Peter Jackson has since, you know, eclipsed his genre work and has gone on to make his own version of King Kong and Lord of the Rings and and won, you know, multiple Oscars. And it's just amazing. Like, you know, uh, Beautiful Creatures for Best Screenplay won an Oscar for that. If you really want to study Peter Jackson at an academic level, you have to go back and watch films like Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and this one, which I think is the best one of his early work, uh, Brain Dead, Dead Alive, and have to witness this and see, like, you know, write a thesis on the parallels between King Kong and Dead Alive. I just think that's <laughs> great. I think, I think that he started at point A, always had a vision, and was driven, and didn't compromise i'm sure he had to make some compromises but like as far as his filmmaking goes like didn't just didn't compromise and put what he needed to put on screen mm -hmm. like that that takes some fucking balls and that's why he is where he is he i hats off to peter jackson he gets everything he deserves oh yeah yeah definitely yeah you can you can think of uh mama vera as king kong of this movie climb to the top of the their their towering mansion of a home that overlooks the whole village. She's got our um, our power couple cornered, and she's she wants to take Lionel back, back back to the beginning, back into the womb. 
So she um, she ends up kind of consuming her like stomach opens up and uterus and all that and kind of consumes Lionel and takes him back into her and Paquita. Uh, it seems like everybody's doomed. So Paquita's like, oh, my God, this sucks. You know, <laughs> he just got like sucked up by this terrible monster and she's dangling from the roof and it looks it looks like it's the end for everyone. And at the last minute, we have Lionel cutting his way back out of the womb, rejecting his mother completely. And finally, with uh, he has like this little charm. Yeah, it's a pendant. We didn't really talk about it. Like a a pendant that was given to him by Paquita. Well, it's yeah, it's a major plot point uh, that we glazed over, but it's fine. We did. (laughs) Uh, uh, We were saving it it for the end. We knew what we were doing. So, yeah, early on when they met, the symbol was given to Paquita by her fortune-telling aunt that she gives, I assume it's her aunt, that she gives to him uh, that shows that they're fated, and he uses it throughout the film. And in mm-hmm. this very moment, he uses the symbol of the love of he and Paquita to break away from his overbearing, over-needy, murderous mother. <laughs> yes. So he cuts himself out, the roof collapses, everything kind of falls, collapses in on itself, the house is on fire, things are just not looking good. Paquita and Lionel escape. Uh, They end up out on the street in front of the house. And just as the fire department gets there, like an hour later, because it's like 1957, and it takes forever for the fire department to respond to anything. And so emergency services is there. Um, They're trying to gauge a situation. Paquita and Lionel are just standing out there covered, just covered in blood. They they kiss and everything's good, happily ever after. Um, Lionel throws away this ancient symbol, which I'm like, dude, you should probably hold on to that because we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure that everything's <laughs> everything's permanently dead so but in in the movie world he throws it away symbolizing that it's all over and they live happily ever after <laughs> yeah we assume also we didn't mention we did we forgot to mention but the uncle does uh, get killed by the, the mm. nice, but he does put up a good of fight uh you think he's noble for about half a second and then, yeah uh, <laughs> he almost has killed. a redemption um but he does have some cool he he goes out He's got like some some cool moments on the way out. You almost think he's going to be redeemed and then and then you'll see what happens, but we kind of glazed over yes. that, but he he doesn't make it. He doesn't make it, but So Scuzz uncle's dead, mom's dead, Everybody's his house gone. is burned down. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he has insurance. I think he's got a bunch of money though. They made it seem like she had a bunch of money that the uncle was going after. Mm-hmm. Not only the estate but the money as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, they can build a new house and a new life, but yeah, they left the charm behind, which, um, you know, symbolically, that's not a good thing. Um, what would you rate this movie, Brittany, upon watching it again? Well, for me, for me, it's like a 10, 10, 10 out of 10. It's one of those really rare. It's one of those really rare movies. That's not like some like Lovecraftian thing. Usually I'm, I like weirder stuff as my 10, 10s. Or like stuff like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but this this one qualifies as a ten ten for me. I think just because I think it just gets everything just right. It's weird. It's corny. It's silly. It's gory. 
I don't know. I love. There's nothing that I don't like about it, you know. So as long as you can suspend your disbelief and go along with the movie, and have a good time, then I think I think it is one of the rare ten tens. Does everything just right. I would say yes on a Mr. Will's ranking scale. I would give it five out of five dead babies, which is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pretty I'd solid. say it's a perfect film. Yeah, it's a solid film. Um, because it achieves what it's trying to, but it's not. It doesn't really have to you know, insist on itself. It doesn't have to. It just takes you on a ride and it's well-structured. It goes fast. It, you can rewatch this. You can watch this alone and have a good time. You can watch this with friends and have a good day. And this is like one of the ultimate party movies. Oh yeah. Uh, and I would, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I, every time I watch it, there are just some films, even there's films that you like, like that you would say, Oh man, that's like a 10, 10 or a five star movie. But like, Rewatch you can't really. watch all the yeah. time because either they're too dense or it's heavy or it's just, well, you got to be in the mood. Mm -hmm. but like this movie, it's just like, I could always pop this on and have, have a fun time with this. Yeah. I never feel like, oh, I need to, yeah, I'm not, I never feel like I'm not in the mood to watch Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And I think it's underrated. I think maybe I mentioned this in another episode, but I think it's. I think it's super underrated. I don't really hear too many people talk about it very often at all when like genre movie comes up, like the silly kind of the silly horror or thing of between like the eight, 1980 and like 19 early 90s. You know, I just I never hear anybody bring this one up and maybe it's just I'm talking to the wrong crowd, but <laughs> I just feel like it doesn't come up that much even within the horror circle. It definitely found its uh, audience on home video, especially here in America. <clears throat> uh, I think it did pretty well. Uh, yeah, it helped. It, uh, Peter Jackson met his manager on this film uh, that would actually eventually, or his agent rather, and then shout out to Whorehound once again. I read that info there, so give credit where credit is due. Um, and it, that agent eventually got him the gig on Lord of the Rings. So this was a big it, even in that sense, like this was a big move for him just from the connection he made after he made this film. So like this film got him enough buzz to get him someone to represent him that eventually landed him one of the biggest movies of cinematic history. The movie that essentially went took for New Line Cinema from the House of Freddy to the House of Blockbuster Lord of the Rings films. Like mm -hmm. forever New Line Cinema was the house that Freddy built until and the only person that changed that was Peter Jackson, and then he came around with the Lord of the Rings. So that's pretty amazing in that sense. So, yeah, a lot of people may not make that correlation, but it's still a huge part of film history just for mm -hmm. that alone. Uh, yeah. But I agree with you. I think it's very underrated. We have a mutual friend, uh, Peter Velou, uh, who owns um, and operates uh, Terrors, Thursday Night Terrors in Buffalo, New York, which I need to get back to. Shout out to Peter. Uh, he said this was the very first film he screened at his mm -hmm. very first Thursday Night Terrorist, which is great. Another friend of the show, Joe Neff and his buddy Bruce, uh, they screened this at one of their uh, Shock Around the Clocks, uh, which I attended. So I did get to see this uh, on the big screen with a crowd of people, which was really fun. So, uh, so it does have, amongst the horror community, I think, yeah, Brain Dead, Dead Alive, whatever you call it, has a huge following among people that know, but like maybe not young kids. Uh, I, I sidebar, I, I was at the, I was at a record store today and um, I was talking to this young girl who obviously thought I was younger than I was. And I'm like, like <laughs> I'm confident. 38. Like, 
It is, but it's like I'm 38 and I'm like, mm. she didn't even know. She's like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm looking for David Bowie. And she's like, oh, the guy that was in Labyrinth. And I'm like, eh. you know, is that like, I mean, wow. she's not wrong. Like, didn't, <laughs> she's not wrong, but she didn't know him for his music. And it's like, that's when you're getting old. So a lot of the young heads don't know these horror movies. You know, they may not know Brain Dead. Like the people that put in work and look, they will. I mean, and you have the internet now, but uh, you you know you have everything at your fingertips. But people may not know to look. You know, if you come mm-hmm. into oversaturated, pe- it's almost harder. You would think it's easier with the internet, but it might be harder to find these gems. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's if you know what you're looking for, you know where to look. Yes, but also people may not know people that know Peter Jackson for the Lord of the Rings may not. A like this movie, or B, B know not to you know not know to look for this movie. You know, that's a really good point. I think everything he makes is pretty good, except for the Hobbit movies. No offense, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, and like he did uh, the Frighteners after this, which is very underrated. And so I'm just like, I, yeah, this is one of his best films still to this day. Even after Lord of the Rings, I would put this up there with like. Lord of the Rings. I, I, I mean, personally, yeah. you know. I mean, in different genre, I feel like I can't really right. compare them equally. But, yeah. <laughs> I like it just as different, much as I like Lord of the Rings. I don't really get tired of watching that either. So, Right. Different genre, different scope, different budget, different, you know, you know, desire, you know, de- desire effect, but still, like, the same quality of workmanship. Mm-hmm. Just on a massive scale. Definitely. I guess that kind of that concludes our 30th anniversary celebration. Are there any any last thoughts that you want to put out there for the end of the year? Is there anything you're looking forward to in 2023? Maybe new things that are coming out. I know I'm looking forward to Infinity Pool. Ooh. Brandon Cronenberg's new one. Yes, I we love Brandon Cronenberg. I would uh like to take a serious moment here and uh you know, I, I made a post on our uh, social media, but RIP to um, Pittsburgh legend uh, who worked in the Pittsburgh film industry, including mm-hmm. being a, the floor manager on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Nick Nick Tallow. I went to a show in today. I hate to have, you know, somber news, but I just want to say we love you, Nikki. RIP, Nikki. And I'm looking forward to this year um, making new episodes with you, cultivating new ideas. Uh, looking excited for new horror coming out. There's plenty of new horror that come out that I really want to talk about, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to the future. Uh, new Scream movie, which uh, usually I'm not really big. I don't dislike the Scream movies. I like the first one a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. And, um, yes, uh, Scream 6, uh, Ghostface Takes Manhattan. So uh, Friday the 13th already tried this, so we'll see how Ghostface does. So uh, as far as... Uh, Blockbusters go. That's the one I'm excited for. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a good year for this stuff. It just, I have that feeling it's a good year for horror video games, if you're into that. So um, it just seems like it's 2023 is going to be a good year for horror, I hope. Or like late 2022, because there's a couple that, you know, if you release in like December, I also, I'll lump you in 2023. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that concludes this episode. Uh, looking forward to experimenting a little bit, um, trying some new things in 2023, and having a happy New Year's. Uh, stay safe out there. We'll see you in 2023. Signals from Pittsburgh, signing off. <laughs>